Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan J. Raja, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all of our work at TexasFootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find us on Twitter at DCTF. If you're not already, become a subscriber at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. And look, if you're if you're a subscriber, I think you already know, uh, the last couple of days for Ishmael Johnson have been insane. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. We thought the UIL news would be dropping Monday, um, and it dropped yesterday, and it dropped like in like directly in between the window they said it would drop, <laughs> which is like, hey, it's going to drop between <laughs> this time and this time, and it dropped like directly in that time frame, right. and so... Yeah, we were uh, obviously the UIL rescheduling, um, basically the, the updated athletic schedule, not just football, but the entire athletic schedule um, was announced on Tuesday. And so we were in uh, high gear for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this was this was like our Super Bowl. It, re- it the, really the was, off-season. man. It was wild. Man, well... For those people who don't know, uh, because it does kind of obviously affect college sports in some ways, so 5A and 6A schools in Texas, right, the two biggest classifications usually referred to as kind of big school football, Mm. uh, they're going to be pushed back for, what, about a month or so, right? Yeah, roughly a month, yeah. Yeah, and then the 4A schools and below are going to be kept the same and, uh, you know, and go on the same schedule and all that, but... Obviously, the weird thing about that, as as people who maybe read the magazine know, uh, there are a lot of 4A schools in big areas. 100%. Yeah, that's the thing. And I kind of I had a piece about that um, where I asked like five key questions that um, I had, which one of them was, you know, what do you do about like district? I'm trying to think district 11 4A D1, which is it's a Houston ISD district. Um, and then you have, sure. uh, district eight for AD one, which is the Dallas ISD district. And so like you have these inner city districts and then of course that didn't even include district one out in El Paso. You have, uh, uh, a district 16, I think in the Rio Grande Valley, like those four AD one districts specifically. And there are some exceptions with like in two A and three A where you have like some schools in McLennan County or some schools in other areas. But for the most part, you have these four A schools in metro areas that are obviously dealing with the outbreak as, as, as big as anyone in the country. And so they're set to basically go on as, as scheduled in two weeks. And, um, you know, what, what happens, the UIL is kind of given uh, jurisdiction to their respective, you know, uh, district executive committees and individual districts kind of making their own calls. But, um, yeah, I just feel like we're going to be seeing a lot of, like, early season forfeits because obviously county restrictions in general like have have uh have uh, jurisdiction over that area and so even if teams want to play like houston isd i believe has already said like more or less no athletics until october <laughs> and so like that that, that, right, that affects right. their which makes perfect right, sense. which makes perfect sense but that obviously affects their that those schools over there in that district so you know, you're going to have that kind of, um, obviously, I think Tarrant County uh, was similar. Um, no in-person teaching, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, recently. That ruling came down this week, and they have a, uh, there's a pretty big Tarrant County district in 4AD1. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, uh, it's wild, and it's uh, kind of a cluster. <laughs> yeah, and now we're kind of, especially with some of the bigger schools, you know, who are now pushing back their season and will be playing state championships in January. Yep. We're all of a sudden having to figure out, like, 
for kids who are going to enroll early in college, is this going to affect things? Right. And on top of that, I mean, you're talking about 5A and 6A. I mean, how many of the of sort of the All-America kids are coming from those districts? You know, does this just basically kill the All-American games? Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, one good point that I heard brought up was that, you know, baseball and softball already deal with that, right, as far as, like, graduation, right? And so, sure. like, there are some exceptions made to people who uh, to players who make the state championships post-graduation but the one thing that they don't do i mean sometimes they do it is enroll in 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 school but as far as like i believe this year ut and and ou like their players were uh, on campus participating like the last the second to last week in january and so like if they make a state championship game which i believe is set for the 11th roughly right now um right they would have to to physically enroll in that in another university or another curriculum before then and so at that point like right, you're not right. just graduated you are enrolled elsewhere so what happens to your eligibility then um if you have to enroll by a certain point at the university that you're, that you're going to be going to so yeah um that's going to be a huge thing that um i'm wondering if uh, i think our, our colleague matt step brought it up is i'm wondering if that's why you know, the new schedule kind of goes over Christmas week. People are kind of bringing that up as like, you know, sure. maybe they want to, the reason why they're playing Christmas week now is because they're trying to get the season over with to avoid those kind of tangles. And look, we're already seeing this kind of impact Texas college football because California became the first uh, major state to push football to the spring. Right. And uh, I know at least one Texas A&M commit, Victory Vodka, which, by the way, tremendous name, Victory know, Vodka. Right? But, uh, but, but a, re- a recruit from California who's going to go to Texas A&M and enroll early said, I-, I guess I just have to skip my senior season if it's going to be in the spring. Right. And, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, look, we're Dave Campbell's Texas football. We want everybody to play their high school football. But it's going to be a tough situation if we're forcing kids to maybe have to make these decisions about whether they're going to do what's best for their high school career or what's going to be best for their college career. 100%. Yeah, it's going to be – there are going to be some uh, some interesting calls. I mean, that doesn't even – we haven't even talked about the potential impact on what the NCAA is going to do to the recruiting calendar, right? Like people have talked about the first signing day kind of going away now uh, for the year. Um, you know, a lot of seniors who are hoping to maybe up their recruiting stock are going to have, at the very least, a lot less film um, to, to go off of, um, you know, in some cases, maybe not any. Um, obviously, as we're seeing in right. California with, with uh, seniors probably leaving, some seniors choosing to leave early if they do. Um, but yeah, here in the state, at the very least, we're going to have seniors with a lot less film to go off of. And even junior, you know, juniors who may have a commit or committed somewhere right now who wanted to up their stock or to get noticed in general, right? We we see like when it comes to NAIA, D three, D two, FCS, like a lot of kids don't get noticed until their senior year. Um, uh, and so yeah, it's there's a lot of questions that uh, that a lot of questions got answered yesterday, and a lot more got um, brought up. Yeah, and I think it's a great way to transition into into what's happening at the college football mm-hmm. ranks, right? And the big news right now is that uh, the SWAC, the HBCU conference that obviously Prairie View A&M and Texas Southern take part in, they're the first Texan league that's officially said, we're not going to play games in the fall, we're going to push to the right. spring. And 
their plan right now is to have a six-game conference schedule, uh, four division and two cross-division games, and with the possibility for one additional non-conference game, but obviously that's dependent on other leagues moving to the spring, at which, which at this point there haven't been many other leagues that have chosen to do so. So, look, I mean, this is a Division One league. This, this is a major league. This impacts schedules at the Power 5 and FBS level because, you know, obviously you're talking about... Uh, TCU, I believe, was going to play Prairie View A&M. Mm-hmm. Uh, Texas Tech was going to play Alabama State. So, like, we're talking about major leagues now being impacted. So so what do you kind of see uh, other schools kind of doing in response to this? Yeah, um, golly, I'm wondering, like, is this an indication of maybe... Is this an, is this an indication of where things are going to go? Or is this an indication of kind of the leeway a conference like the SWAC has, right? Or the Ivy League, right? We've seen what the Ivy League's done already. Made They made that call too. Um, to where there isn't as much of a financial gain to be played right now, if you're the SWAC. Right. And outside of these, you know, obviously these games against uh, FBS programs that are, that are money games, but as far as like being a revenue driver... I'm wondering compared to the Big 12, compared to the SEC, I don't it just I just doesn't strike me as a big call to say, you know what, let's just push it back a couple months. Right. Um, and I, I don't I just don't know if this is a if this is a mainly because it's so late. And I feel like this would have been we would have seen an FBS to me, at least we would have seen an FBS program make that call or make it very soon, like in the next week or two, and I just don't see that happening. Yeah, it's hard to know what to expect right now, because obviously with UIL, I mean, I do think that in some ways that sets the tone for what people expect in Texas right Right. now, right? Like, they expect maybe we can push things back a little bit, and and especially with the Big 12 right now, um, you you know, we're talking about many schools losing these non-conference games, especially, obviously, the Power 5 Mm non-conference games, so... You know, we could be looking at a scenario where basically out of, you know, coincidence almost that we lose the first two to three weeks of the season of Big 12 play. And that kind of pushes it back, mm-hmm. um, you know, and and maybe that's enough, yeah. you know, maybe uh, maybe that's enough time for things to kind of start getting back to normal. But the other thing that we're seeing, too, that I think is going to be real interesting to watch with the Texas colleges is we're starting to see major colleges around the country say that they're giving up on the fall semester, right? That they're moving online. And to me, if you are putting your classes online and not letting kids be on campus, how can you really justify having kids participate in extracurriculars? Yeah, totally, totally agree. I mean, if the idea, I don't know if the idea is you, you, if you're admitting that it's not safe for anybody to be close together, right like what 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 is football right what is what are what are sports basically what you should be advocating is like basically no sport than other than tennis right if when you're very far apart and you're right. hitting something back and forth that you're not even touching only periodically with your hands right like that's by by nixing in person teaching to me that's that's what you should be advocating for um but yeah, I, I, I don't know if we're going to... I just have trouble seeing that consistency across the board. Yeah. Well, and and again, a lot of this depends on where the numbers go. Yeah. You know, I, I will say, 
Clay, Clay Jenkins, the, the Dallas County lead elected official, who's obviously kind of been the point person on this, released the numbers today. You know, for the second day in a row, we've had a pretty big drop. Yeah. Is that a trend? I, I don't mm-hmm. know. You know, it's so hard to say whether any one of these things is a trend, because at the same time, we had 18 straight days of a thousand plus sure. cases. You know, yeah. like, like what what does any of this mean? And the hope is, again, if, if we get some of this stuff pushed back, mm-hmm. right, like if we if we see the Big 12 and SEC and and Conference USA and all of them kind of say, we're going to play maybe conference-only schedules, but it's going to start in late September. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think that there are worse ideas. Right. <laughs> there are much better ideas for sure, but there are worse ideas. Um, you know, and, and look, I mean, we don't have to sit here and pretend that for, you know, Dave Campbell sex football and for both of us, like, we obviously would prefer that they play. We'd prefer that everybody, everything take place. But also more than that, we'd prefer that everybody be right. Safe. Can I? Can I? Can I pop off for a second? <laughs> yeah. People, yeah, go ahead. the idea that people like us are actively hoping that football gets canceled, knowing that, like the the conspiracy that people have that the media wants football canceled despite our livelihoods being attached to there being a season is insulting. Like that is the most insulting conspiracy that I've seen people have is, Oh, you're just hoping that these kids don't get to play. Our jobs are tied to them playing. Right. Like it's that, that I I've, I've seen that more and more where it's like, I can't believe the media is pushing this narrative that they don't they want to be paid? Yes. Yes. The short answer, yes. We want to be, we want to have a job. Right. We want to have security. But we also like to me, that's even more of a reason to kind of take us being cautious seriously. Because our livelihoods are attached to this, because our well-being does depend on the on if games are played. And we're still saying, hey, make sure we're smart about this. Like, that should be an indication like, right. uh, uh, that, that, that we should be taking this seriously. I don't know. The idea that we're against it and that, I don't know. It's, it's, that's one of the more baffling conspiracies that I've seen is that the media is actively rooting for things to be canceled. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Okay, so... I'm in a group text with some of my friends who worked at the previous site I worked yeah. with, right? And there are six of us, including me, that are sports writers. Out of those six, four of them have been uh, furloughed and one has been laid right. off, right? Like, this has been horrible. There, It's been a horrible time to be anybody in America right, right now, especially economically. Right. But it has been a horrible time for sports writing, right? Like, we are insanely blessed to be in the position that, that you know... We were kind of able to ride 100%. the wave. Like, we are exceptions. And, you know, I, I think that you're right. Like, we love college football and high school football so much that we decided to tie our employment right. to it. And, and you know, but, but ultimately, too, it's like, if a lot of people die because this is done badly, that's so much worse for the future of, one, our industry, and two, where we live. Right. Then, then missing a couple football games, you know, we just want this to be done right because we want this to be yeah. over. Because when this is over, then you know we can have conversations about going back to normal and and things 
kind of going back to the way they were. But if we don't handle this well, it's going to keep going and more people are going to get laid off. And yeah, it, like you said, it's just a very frustrating time. Um, you know, obviously there are some specific mouthpieces that we don't really need to get sure. into that that really are trying to circulate this. But, um, you know, for us, we love football. Mm-hmm. That's why we're, we do and, this, right? And we, we both love basketball right. too. You know, that's why we do that magazine too. We want this to happen. But, uh, but you know, I think that we just have to be smart and look at all of this and make sure that we are not putting people at risk because I'll tell you what, there are... There are no high school football players who are worth sacrificing to make this right. Happen. That's the that's that's right? the like, thing on top of everything else. Like the reason why the the biggest reason why people should let that narr- this narrative die is that I'm not willing to sacrifice people's well being for a paycheck. Like if I had to choose, right. right? I would say, is there a way to get this safely done, or would I be you know, or am I guaranteed a, a paycheck? I would say, hey, just make sure it's safely done. Like, if I had to choose. Right. So. Right. Right. Let's go ahead and actually talk some Let's football. Let's do it. Okay. So, so, this week, we have been releasing our 50 most important college football players in Texas list, right? And so far, we have released uh, the first three installments. The next two will come out over the next two days. So, I think that that puts us at 21 through 50 mm-hmm. right now. Um, you know, and for us... This is always a fun list for us because we get a chance to to profile some people who maybe people don't know. We get to profile a couple guys at the small college level um, who we really think could have a, a big impact on this upcoming season. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, I don't know if you had a chance to, to look at the all 21 through 50 that, that have been put yeah. out so far. But what kind of stands out to you so far from this list? I love the fact that we are hinging a lot on two of the Southland's best quarterbacks. Um, Bailey yeah. Zappi at Houston Baptist, John Copeland at UIW. Um, Copeland had an okay year last year, probably not the one he wanted as, on his trajectory. I know he was hurt as well because um, I talked to Coach Morris for the magazine and he talked about him kind of battling injury. But, I mean, Bailey Zappi, um, I saw him coming out of Victoria East and I remember like, that this kid's got something, right? He's not toolsy. He's not like the biggest kid, but I was like, this guy's got something. And I mean, 22, that, that was a great, I think that's a great spot because I think the biggest, the thing I love most about this list every year when we do it is that it is most important, right? It, it's drums up that, that argument of like, what does important mean relatively to their team? And you know, is, you know, somebody might look at it and say, I don't know if Bailey Zappi is actually more important than Sam Cosme to Texas. But regardless, like, I think there's an argument to be made that he is. And I think that's a perfect spot for him. And I think 46 is around right for Copeland um, based on his year last year. But I, I just love that. I love that we're giving that spotlight to those two guys because, I mean, those two programs are in are potentially in line for big years if things go right. Yeah. Well, and and the thing that one makes this list so difficult, but two makes it so Mm -hmm. fun is that I do think that a lot of this list hinges on what we think that they can do for their team. Right. So with Bailey Zappi, I mean, we're talking about a program that has never had a winning Mm -hmm. season, right? Like they have never finished above 500. And last year they finished just below 500. I think they finished five and six. Um, you know, but they got into the top 25 yeah. because of Bailey Zappi. You know, I mean, we're talking about a guy who's elevating this program, a, a very young program. Like, we're not going to, you know, we don't have to act like it's been around since the 1800s. Mm-hmm. But, like, 
he's elevating a young program to a position where they are competitive in the Southland, where you can't take them for granted in the Southland, where, you know, they're going and, and nearly upsetting UTEP and going and upsetting South Dakota on the road. Uh, yeah. You know, I think that that's a really special thing. And, you know, one other thing that I'll, that I'll point out from, uh, from the early part of this mm-hmm. list is that, you know, there are only a couple schools uh, that are sub-FBS that got a couple guys on the list. But to me, Texas A&M Commerce and Mary Harden Baylor are the two most likely national championship contenders in mm-hmm. the state. And so for me, you know, we, I felt like we had to include multiple. And actually, I think that only one of the Mary Harden Baylor players has been released as yet, but the other one is coming mm-hmm. tomorrow. So, um, you know, so for me, like I look at Miklo Smalls at, uh, at Texas A&M Commerce right. and what he was able to do at quarterback I mean, that's somebody who I think needs to be talked mm-hmm. about. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's and it, this is this is a it's a big chance every every year for us to not it's not often we can put we can lump everybody together, right? And so this is one this is one time a year where we can finally say like, okay, look, here's here is here are guys to know from Anim Commerce, from Mary Harden Baylor, from Harden Simmons, and compare them as close as we can to guys from TCU to Baylor to Texas to A&M um, because we're, again, we're comparing relatively. And I think that it's always a fun exercise because obviously people from Texas are going to see where Sam Cosme is, right? People from Baylor are going to look for Raleigh Tejada, but they're going to also see like, Oh, who's this guy from Tarleton that's above Tejada. Right. And so they're going to look at, right, they're going right. to see him and say, man, this guy must be pretty good or, or at the very least very important to his team. If he's rated above X. Yeah. Well, and you know, one thing, and this is something that every single year when we put this list out, this is one of the seminal questions about the list, right? Is how do you value certain positions yep. too? Right. So, so look, uh, you know, and one thing that we'll talk about in a second is, is you know, for us, you know, what's sort of the conversation for, for number one? You know, I'll, I'll say it. The top four guys on this list this year, this was not the case last year. This was not the case the year before mm-hmm. this. But the top four guys this year are all quarterbacks. Yeah. And that says more to me about how important the quarterbacks are in this state right, right. now, right? Like, that's not a every single year this has to be, the top four has to be quarterbacks, right? But, you know, it take quarterbacks aside is there a position that to you uh you know maybe should be weighted higher when it comes to importance to a team when we're putting together a list like this mm. yeah, that's a good question um throwing quarterback out of the out of the way i'd say either edge rusher or safety um because yeah. i think those three positions edge rush safe, safety and quarterback and to an extent, left tackle, but that's more when you get into the NFL as far as that's concerned. But as far as in college, to me, those are the positions where I would start a team, right? And I would pick anybody yeah, in the yeah. country. If I were to pick anybody in the country any given year to start a team with, it'd be one of those positions. And and so I feel like those three should be kind of weighted on a bigger curve, saying basically, if you have an All-American, or if you have, uh, not even All-American, if you have an All-Conference safety I feel like that should be maybe weighted slightly higher than if you have like a borderline second team All-American 
other position, right? I don't want to single out another position specifically, sure. but just some one of those, one, a position that's not those three. I think you're more solid there than you would be elsewhere, and it's it, it so much hinges on that, right? The idea, the the ability to get to the quarterback is immensely important right now. The ability to have somebody who can take over the middle of the field in uh, vertical passing is immense, and of course, the quarterback and the ability to pilot an offense is important right now so yeah those three positions for me was there one for you yeah i think that well i'll go ahead and say i mean there are three safeties in the top 15 on Mm -hmm. this list right and and two of them are well in the top 10 and and i think that those two will probably be pretty obvious whenever the list Mm -hmm. comes out um you know the one thing that was interesting for me and just moving back for a second is i think you look at uh 2020 it's it's not the best year of, of edge rushers that the state has right. put out. I, I think that it's a pretty it's a pretty tough year mm-hmm. for that. Yeah, and you know I think that that's it's consistently been a pretty strong position. I think over the last couple of years with guys obviously like James Lynch, Ben Banigou, people like mm-hmm. that. But you know for me the the only real guy that that isn't on the list so far uh, who's really a, a true edge rusher is Joseph Osai. Yeah, like, that's true. There isn't really another guy who, who ended up in that top 20 group. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm looking back at 2019, and I guess I feel like 2019 was kind of similar as well. Um, obviously, you had James Lynch. By the yeah. end of the year, you had guys like James Lynch kind of coming into his own. Um, but as far as th- it's going to be interesting to see because at the beginning of the year, I'm trying to think. I think the first lineman I see on this list from last year was Matabuke at 10. And even 10 seems like, in, yeah. in, in, in retrospect, 10 seems pretty low, right? Yeah. And, and I mean, and the other thing with him, too, and another guy who's on uh, the list, to Bobby Brown, like, they're not true edge right. No, they're, that was just you the know, first I mean, they're more sort of tr- Yeah. Right, right. It's it's kind of been a and I will say I think Texas A&M's unit is is really really mm-hmm. good right like I think that they've got five guys who who will all contribute to me they just don't have a guy sure. right like they don't have um you know like some of the, they don't have the Miles Garrett right. right like they don't have that elite sort of guy at the top um the other position that I I probably I I think it's I rated them this high because of how good they are there there are a bunch of linebackers in the top twenty two mm-hmm. and um. You know, for me, I think the the reason for that is, one, we're moving to a lot of teams playing with sort of two true linebackers, so I think that each linebacker becomes more important. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing, too, is that, uh, you know, and, and I won't name too many of them, but I think that this year's crop of linebackers is, is really, really good. You know, we've got Terrell Bernard, Garrett Wallow, Grant Stewart, and Blaze mm-hmm. Aldridge are all guys who will be in the top 20, you know, and... And not necessarily top five right. guys, but but I think that it's a really good year, I think, for linebackers. No, 100%. I feel, I feel the same way. Um, one, w- well, first of all, everybody should go check out the list because we're, um, we're still counting down. Like you said, we hit 21 today, right? We've done 50 through 21. Yes. Um, yes. One question I had was I was really curious about Rico Jeffers. I feel like I, I personally thought he was really low, but um, – I'm curious about your reasoning for that one because, I mean, you mentioned it, you know, with Tech losing both their, you know, stud linebackers, it was going to be, you know, he he is going to have a huge role. And so, like, those are the ones I'm really curious about, those kind of rankings where it's like, huh, that is interesting. Why is he – he's going to be important, but why necessarily do you think it's around that range? 
Yeah, yeah, and I think it's a good question. I, I think that he definitely was somebody who who had a case to be higher. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, I think the the big question I think with Jeffers is is less about what he's going to mm-hmm. do and more about does he have enough help on that defense after what sure. they lost? You know, does does he have enough to, to where this is going to be a plus defense, right? Because you don't just lose Jordan Brooks. You also lose Douglas Coleman. You also lose Broderick Washington. Those are those are three guys who are four-year starters and, you know, kind of help change that defensive culture. But, like, when Brooks was hurt at times last season, you know, that, that defense struggled. Yep. Right, I mean that defense really started to struggle um, when Brooks wasn't in the lineup, and now at the same time, I guess that's the flip side is that's a case of why Jeffers needs to be so much better. But um, you know, for me, I think that it probably does come down to you know when you're looking at sort of his quote unquote stature in the state, um, you know, how good is that unit going to be, and and how much impact do we think that he necessarily has to make it a top end unit? And and again, just because of what's going on around him I, I'm not sure, sure. The, you know so for me he kind of ended up in the middle sure. there so let's finish off with this um like I mentioned there are four quarterbacks in the top four uh and actually another one in the top 10 but he's not going to be he's he's more of the question mark right. one so so I'm not going to count him in this group uh, okay, so so alphabetically, this is not in order. This is just alphabetically. Mm-hmm. Charlie Brewer, Shane Bouchelle, Sam Ellinger, and Kellen mm-hmm. Mond. Who do you think has the top case for number one? And actually, I'll even say, or if you think it's somebody who's in another position, who would you kind of have uh, in in your number one conversation? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, first, full disclosure: we we everybody knows who's number one on our staff. <laughs> we both know who number one is right now. Yes, so yes, this yes. isn't us, you know, taking a shot. But for me personally, I. Th- think I think Mond has the best chance um because when we look at last year AM's AM ceiling clearly is Kellen Mond's ceiling whatever they do this year whatever the the high expectations we have for them um if you have the magazine you've seen it we're predicting double digit wins like we think this is the year that they should be gunning for um I think none of that is possible unless Kellen Mond reaches a certain level and stays at a certain level. I don't think they can get away with average Kellen Mond, right? If Kellen Mond plays like we used, we're used to seeing him play on the road as a sophomore, right? I, I don't think Annan comes anywhere close to their ceiling. Um, and I feel like he, everything involved with that team. I think just hinges so much more on what he can do. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a good case. And you know, it's funny when when I first started putting together this list, I really wasn't sure what to do with mm-hmm. Mond, right? Because, like you said, him being elite would just catapult AM to where they're maybe even like playoff right. good, right? But um, you know, if if we get sort of what we've gotten from the last couple of Mm -hmm. years, then is he going to hold them back? Who knows? Uh, And the other thing, too, that I'll say about this, obviously, is that when we say 50 most important players, that does not mean the 50 best players in Texas, right? right? Like, that's a factor. That's certainly a part of it. Um, But, you know, being number one on this list doesn't mean that we think that you're the number one most talented player in Texas. That's not what it means. Um, So... To me, you know, I, I look at two of these guys uh, on this list just because of the roles that they have to play in their offense, right? I look at Sam Ellinger and Charlie mm-hmm. Brewer. 
very different cases, I think, you know, very different situations. Um, You know, with, with Ellinger, obviously you're asking him to go and, and take Texas to the top, right? This is his last Mm -hmm. chance. You're talking about a guy who, who basically came in here, obviously said Texas back. You expect them to win at least one big title with Sam Ellinger as quarterback. Mm -hmm. You expect them to compete for a playoff spot. And you look at that offense, the offense, lost two of its best players in Devin DuVernay and Colin Johnson. Um, you know, he needs to be the centerpiece of that offense if, if Texas is going to go and compete for a Big 12 title. Right. And the, the other side of that is, is Charlie Brewer. Uh, on a team that has far lower expectations in Baylor, you know, they're just kind of looking to, to maybe be a seven or eight win team. But you look at that offense and he loses Denzel Mims. Uh, he loses Sam Tecklenburg, his longtime left guard. Mm-hmm. It's all going to be on him this year, right? Like, and the other thing too is with how much that defense lost. I mean, they are going to need that offense to carry that team at times, in my opinion, yep. just because of how much they lost. And so, if if Baylor goes anywhere, it's because Charlie Brewer has taken that step forward and that he's found this perfect fit offense. That you know, I I'm kind of optimistic that it's going to be for him with Larry Fedora. But, you know, if Baylor struggles, it's going to be because Charlie Brewer struggles. Yeah. And I think I think another thing to bring up, and I guess this is more in favor of Ellinger and Mond, is the idea of not only them as a talent, but what they're supplanting as far as the depth, right? Like, you know, say what you want about Charlie Brewer. I think, I think he is the best quarterback on that roster. But there were times he got benched, at, you know, obviously for injury last season, but there were times where he did sit down and the offense didn't look adversely worse like drastically worse and granted that might have been that might have been more due to system but regardless you know there is something to say about at that point or what we know about the level of talent around him or, or behind him i should say maybe some level of competence you know some level um we don't know anything about casey thompson and we don't know anything about zach calzada Right. Like those are, yeah. and, and maybe, and uh, maybe King as well, if you want to include him behind Mond. But I think there's something to be said as well about Ellinger and Mond's talent uh, above replacement. Right. 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 Well, let me, let me throw uh, one more nugget uh, onto this list. One that, that applies to you specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, one guy who did make the top 20, Brady McBride. Yeah. Oh, and you want to talk about talent above replacement. <laughs> <laughs> I think we saw last year. I think we saw last year that no matter what Brady McBride's talent level is, it's probably higher than whatever they could replace him with. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I, I think that I look at Brady McBride and I look at Texas State, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, when they brought Jake Spavital in, the whole point was that he was going to be able to bring some dynamic offense, some good quarterback play. And it's really unbelievable how they basically just had the exact same rankings in every single way right. after after a year with uh, with Spavidal. Turns out it's hard to so, do that without a quarterback. Right, right. And look, I, I think that we've talked about it extensively on this podcast, but everybody that both of us talks to uh, cannot stop talking about how much better Brady McBride is than the alternative. It started, it so. started last fall. Like, it started last fall. It was like, wow, the scout team is awesome. Like, <laughs> like when he was, when obviously right, he right, wasn't right. eligible. But it was like, man, the scout team's so much better. <laughs> yeah. Dude, when, it's always fun whenever you're around a team and people just bring it up unprompted, right? Like, everybody wants to know how good uh, Brady McBride is, yeah. right? Because he's, you know, sort of the unknown thing. 
But man, I just had so many people around that team just not, just brought it up. Didn't I did not ask any right. questions. <laughs> right. They're just like, don't worry, don't worry, it'll get better. <laughs> so so I, I had to include him on this list. So uh and, and one other thing, obviously there are fifty players on the list. A lot of them haven't been uh released as yet, but but looking at the the top fifty mm-hmm. list, is there anybody in particular who you think was a notable snub? Snub. Hmm. That's an interesting one. Obviously, a lot to get. Yeah, through. it's a lot. I'm curious. I don't know. Was there was there a name that you had to really struggle to keep off? While I look this over. Yeah, uh, yeah. Let, let me let me think about that too. I think that, um, I think that one guy who could have found his way onto this list, but but I think it's more maybe my expectations of him is why it didn't. Is is Clayton Toon at Houston? Uh, uh, I think I think that for me, I just don't know what to expect mm-hmm. right like i don't know whether this is like the all right this is my team i'm taking over i'm gonna be awesome yeah. right like i i don't know if that's what's gonna happen but but if it is that completely changes the ceiling of this houston team but again we've got sort of two years of data on him and and so far it's inconsistent so i i think for me clayton tune is a guy that if i had a little bit more faith in taking that step mm-hmm. Uh, I think he definitely could have been on this list, but I, I opted to leave him off. I'm gonna go with because I have to make let me make sure he's not on this list. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Eric Schmidt at Sam Houston State. Um, Eric yeah, Schmidt took good, over. Good he took over last year. Um, I believe uh, I cannot remember who they played at quarterback last year um, before him, but he took over midseason. He played about eight games, and I, he started like five, I think. Um, and he came out of nowhere, kind of. Like, he was an okay player at, at uh, Woodlands, right? He, he didn't light the world on fire. They made the state championship, but it, it wasn't like him throwing for 5,000 yards or something. He was a good, solid quarterback. But, um, yeah, he came in, and Sam Houston State looked a lot like we're used to seeing Sam Houston State play. Um, let me see. I'm trying to find his stats for the year. He finished with uh, 1,700 yards. 12 touchdowns, five picks on 59% completion. Again, his first full year or first year of starting, basically. Um, he didn't play much his, his freshman year. But considering the ceiling that Sam Houston State set as far as their reputation in the Southland, I think he is someone who, who I, again, I don't know who you knock off this list for him, but I think he's someone to keep an eye on that maybe we be looking at next year as far as important players. Because if, if Sam Houston State comes out and wins seven, eight, nine games, right, it's probably because he's playing pretty damn well. And the other thing, too, is that, like you mentioned, I mean, he's a guy who who you hope can solidify that position and kind of just shut shut down the competition because they had such a, you know, su- such trouble finding a full-time starter. Mm-hmm. And, and look, I mean... You look at the Southland right now, right? And and actually, I believe that the Southland poll came out today. So let me see if I can find that. But, um, but you know, Sam Houston kind of expected to get back to normal last yeah. year. And because of quarterback injuries, could not. Right. And, you know, now they come into 2020. I mean, it's been a couple of, I, I don't want to call them bad seasons. But for, for Sam Houston State in the, in the 2010s, bad seasons in a row. Um, you know, now they're picked second in the poll, actually. They're, they're picked ahead of Nichols by only one mm-hmm. vote. And so, you know, they, they had got four votes to win uh, the Southland Conference. I know that we were very high on them in the magazine. So, like you said, if Sam Houston State kind of gets back to normal, per se, um, 
I think that he's going to be a big part of the reason why. So I, so I really like that yeah. pick. Oh, yeah. by the way, and I think they lost well, like they had like all conference receivers, and they lost like both of them. So like if he if they do like yep, yep, yep. he's gonna have to be doing it with a new yeah cat. Nathan Stewart's yeah. out. Right, right. So it's gonna be a lot of fun to watch, though. I I, I think that Sam Houston State could be a really fun team. So hopefully. <laughs> the, the other thing that we'll say with all of this is that we we went into this list with the assumption that uh, that everybody was going to play right. football uh, like normal, and we've already been proved liars because Donnie Corley from Texas Southern was on the list and he won't play. Right, right. right. So <laughs> we're treating all of this like uh, like things are going to happen as normal, and that's going to make us look stupid probably at some point <laughs> this fall. But uh, but you know, I mean, the, the thing is too, right? Like, I don't want to just knock Donnie Corley off the list because he's not going to play for right. a while, right? Like, he's still one of the 50 most important players in 100%. Texas. So, anyway, this was fun. Uh, it's fun to, to kind of talk about actual football <laughs> after, you know, all this uncertainty and all that. Um, you know, like I said, uh, if you're not already, become a subscriber, textfootball.com slash subscribe. And actually, uh, if you're not a subscriber, you can go to your local grocery store right now and pick it up. It's on bookshelves everywhere. We put a lot of work into this magazine, even if uh, Texas Southern and Prairie View A&M are going to call us liars. But uh, but thanks so much to everybody who's a, who subscribed. Thanks to everybody who checks out all of our work at textfootball.com. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Sex Football. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Uh, first of all, Johnson, I'm Shahan Jairaja. Thanks so much, and we'll talk to you again next week.